Welcome back to another episode of Thriving Thoughts. I am your super excited host, Dr. Sherry. Conversation. Now, here's something somebody told me once. They said these conversations they border on starting like a fr- like a conversation between friends, right? And then they dive into something much deeper. And my conversation with Amber, uh, my dear friend Amber, today exemplifies that that it's it really does start as a conversation between girlfriends, uh, between friends who are willing to share their hearts, to be honest with one another, and then it evolves into this deep, powerful stuff that I can't wait to share with you guys, talking about like just being willing to wear the weight of the crown. And you know what, sisters? Every one of you has a crown, and you have the opportunity to wear it, to wear it big, right? Not to leave it at home. And um, I just invite you onto the patio, if you will. Come onto the patio, grab a glass of wine, grab a, a cup of coffee, and just join me and Amber for this intimate conversation. You are going to love her heart. You're going to love the intimacy of our conversation, and you're going to love the truths that pour out of it. So without further ado, please tune in and listen to my dear friend, Amber Valentine. I've been thinking a lot about like our journeys, and I was actually having a talk with a friend the other day. We were both just kind of like in a really weird place, like this kind of limbo emotional place. It was like in an early evening and we just looked at each other and we were like, what's the point of it all? Like, what are we doing? What are we doing here? You know? And I think that sometimes as women, we get there for sure. You know, like just what, what am I doing? Like this is not what I signed up for or is this what I signed up for? Anyway, so words of wisdom from Amber Valentine on that. Take that as you will. Okay, girls. So listen, I feel like if I had the answer to the question of what's the point of it all, then I would be a bajillionaire laying on a beach somewhere and and all world peace would be happening, right? Because nobody right. could shut me up. Right. But I can tell you, I think where this emotion comes from more than anything else is we want so desperately to be effective, right? Yes. All that we do all the time, no matter what, we want to be all to everybody. And we can't do that. And sometimes we have to take a sit back and realize that just as much as we are needed by other people, we need other people as well. And when the moment comes for us to take in that need, it's difficult. Because we feel like we have such a purpose for everyone else. At least I'm speaking for me. I know, like, I get energized by helping other people. I get energized by seeing a problem and fixing it. So when I have a problem, I spiral a little bit if Mm -hmm. I can't fix it. And it's hard for me to let go and let somebody else see that need and let them allow or for me to allow them to fix it. The other piece of this. control, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Control and a little Mm -hmm. bit of pride. Yeah. For bit. me, for just me. a little bit, <laughs> just, yeah. just a lot of it, if we're going to be real honest, but right. I heard something this morning. Um, there was a, a guy on Facebook that went live. I didn't recognize him, but 
he was saying that everybody wants to wear the crown, but nobody wants the weight of it. That's right. And I think that we as powerful, strong, progressive women who are out there just killing it, sometimes we forget we have to take a step back and a deep breath and that that's part of the process because the crown is heavy and we have to give ourselves space and grace to be able to carry it. So yeah, bam, mic drop. Thank you. That was good stuff. Mm -hmm. I really, okay. So what resonated with me as I'm sure it did with other women listening is this, uh, that when those thoughts come up of this kind of like purpose and what's the point of it all. And, you know, just give me a glass of wine because I don't want to think it's, I think you're right. I think it's because we're not feeling effective. Mm -hmm. Um, and feelings are information, not fact. That's what I always say. Um, so Yeah. Just because you're feeling ineffective doesn't mean you are ineffective. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, I actually posted something the other day about it's important in those moments. It's the most critical thing you can do in those moments when you're feeling ineffective to show up when there's no audience, when there's no stage, when there's no applause to show up. And I think that's what it means when you're talking about wearing the weight of the crown. Yes. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because the point of it all, we all have a purpose. You know what your purpose is. If you're really honest with yourself, if you're really quiet in the moments when nobody's looking, if you search deep down inside and you're true to yourself, you know what your purpose is, whether you're willing to step up to it or whatever. And I think sometimes we take that and we think that we have to project it on this giant stage or in these big Mm -hmm. ways. But truly, sometimes our purpose is to be that thing for us. Yeah. Like, what if I'm only meant to do that thing for myself? What if what I have is meant to help someone else in their shining moment? Like, it's so, so in the moments that's difficult, taking the time to rearrange our own brains and focus on that purpose, even inwardly, is important. And I try to focus on only really helping and working towards my purpose with the people that are right in front of me. Mm-hmm. And if I like, what, what do you mean? Tell us more about that because, okay. um, yeah, tell, tell us more. Absolutely. So I feel like I have this insane ability to see a person right where they are, meet them where they are and not have any higher expectations for them and just take them to the next mm-hmm. step of where they want to be. And mm-hmm. I love to set an example of success for women who have been where I have been or who are where I have been and help them to see that there's a clear, that there's an, another path, you know, that mm-hmm. they can go mm-hmm. anywhere that they want to. They just need to take the steps forward. Sometimes I can get overwhelmed with the responsibility mm-hmm. that I feel like that Um, brings to me of being on a bigger stage and like, I need to reach a bigger audience. I need to find more people. I need to touch more people with this. When in reality, what I might need to do is just talk to the lady next to me at the grocery store. Yeah. Like not forgetting that my purpose is just as effective in the life of one person than it is in the lives of 3000 people that might be listening. So that's well, in that, yeah, that's really beautiful. And it's interesting because I, I feel like I'm at a little bit of a different um, place right now. Like I feel like I am being um, called to leave my comfort mm. and um, I don't want to. <laughs> it's not that I don't want to. I do and I don't. It's like I'm pushed and I'm pulled, you know. Um, I think that 
going back to this, I love that how you said being willing to wear the crown. I think um, being willing to wear the crown, the weight of the crown can be interpreted in a couple of different ways. I think it can be interpreted in being great in the small Mm -hmm. and um, like what you were talking about, about talking to somebody in the grocery store and being willing to be in the great and have everybody look at you. Um, because that's, that's where I'm at. Um, I don't. Okay. So what came up for me was Marianne Williamson's quote. Remember that quote that I shared with you? I don't know, several years ago now, a couple years ago, maybe about. I use it all the time. Yeah. So maybe you can paraphrase it for us. What does she say? That you, well, paraphrasing is that you do not have, how dare you work small yeah. when you have something amazing inside of you mm-hmm. that is meant to be shared with the world. And that's exactly what I was just getting ready to say to you as you mm-hmm. went through that. I'm like, how? here's how I look at it. I have an absolute responsibility to yes. my purpose yes. and it's not for me. Yeah, so it doesn't right. matter right. how I feel. That's it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter if I have something yes, that I need to do. I have a responsibility to the, yeah. the charges, the people yeah. that yeah. are going to benefit from that. It's an so obligation. Every, yeah. Yes. Every single time I mm-hmm. feel like I want to make a decision that keeps me in my comfort zone, mm-hmm. I think about all the people that had to make decisions outside their comfort zone that yeah. gave me the motivation and love and support that I needed to get to where yeah. I am. And I know that I have a need to pass that on. I have a yeah. responsibility to pass that on. So I think yeah. about them. I think about mm-hmm. the person that's going to be on the other end. If I do mm-hmm. that thing I'm supposed to do. Yeah. And suddenly I'm not scared anymore because it's not about me. It's about just not about me. Person. It's just right. not about me. Right. Right. It's a, right. A- absolutely. Because it, we're here, whatever our purpose is, the, the function of that purpose is to serve other people. It's not to serve ourselves. Exactly. Right. Um, but I think, I think that putting it in that context of making it about the obligation, I think it's important because, and I actually have, I'm going to show you this. It's going to be backwards. Probably it's a <laughs> sticky that I have on my little wall. You can't even see it. Oh, there it is. It, and it's backward. It says, this is what I signed up for. Yes. Right? And yes. I remind myself when I, <laughs> when I see the big and I see the, oh, crap, people might start looking at me thing. This is what I signed up for because this is what I have to give. So according to Marianne Williamson, how dare we yeah. shrink from what we signed up for? Exactly. Well, not only did you, you didn't even really sign up for it, Sherry. It was given to you. That's it's a, right. It's a gift that was presented. But you've got to say yes to it. You have to say yes to it. Yes. You you accepted it and the weight of the crown can be pretty heavy yeah. sometimes, you yeah. know, and, but take yourself out of it. Mm-hmm. That's what I do. Whenever I find myself getting scared and focusing yeah. and like reeling and there's all these like things in my head, I have to sit down, take a deep breath remove myself from the situation. Yeah. Stop thinking about me. Stop thinking about the emotion around it and focus on the purpose and the people right. that it That's will help. Right. And then all the fear goes away, Sherry. Right. All the fear goes away at that point. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. That's my biggest piece of advice. I, th- I think that's beautiful. I think it's great. So I want, I do want to go back to though, because the, there's a common thread here. I was talking with a friend of mine about how so many times we want to be 
I think we have a, a misconception of what living big or great looks like. Yes. hundred percent. So what does that look like to you? Girl, I talk about this all the time. You're hitting, you're hitting my soft spots today. You're pretty good. So listen, (laughs) my torch that I am carrying right now is being a hot mess and, and being able to turn that into hotness, right? That's, That's my whole brand, hot mess to hotness. But it's about being realizing that if you were backstage of any major production, the person that is on stage is just as much of a mess in their daily life yeah. as you are. Yes. The only difference mm. is they stopped going, somebody's going to see this, somebody's going to know. Right. And they went, I don't care. I don't care. They can yeah. see it. Let them see right. my mess. Who gives yeah. a damn? I have a huge right. goal. Right. And a huge purpose and a huge passion. I'm not going to let anything get in the way. Right. Let's spill it all. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. first realized this. Um, I was, you know, upper in a company that had a lot of motivational speakers and mm-hmm. rock stars. And there was a woman in that company who makes about $100,000 a month. Mm-hmm. And she was my, like, you know, e- like everything. I just followed everywhere. I dripped off everywhere. She had so much confidence, so much, you know, courage, so much whatever. And she yeah. did a video one day about the fact that she nearly throws up every time she goes to get on stage because right. she can't just get herself together. Right. And she's so scared that she's going to make a mistake and that she's not going to nail it this time. And that, um, you know, she, she can't read. She has a uh, severe dyslexia hmm. and she's so scared. She's going to mess words up and she has all these things, but she said, I just do it anyway. Yeah. I just jump out on the stage and I do it anyway. And I'm like, yeah. her stuff's not any more together than anybody else. No. is. No. So, yeah, exactly. It's not a perf. It's never perfect. It's never the perfect time. It's never the perfect situation. Right. Everyone's broken in some way, but your yes. bro- your brokenness is what makes your perf your purpose perfect for what yeah. you need to carry it into. Yeah. And other people need to see your brokenness so they can relate yeah. to you and know that yeah. what you do, they can do too. Well, people are connected by brokenness. Absolutely. They're not connected, but I can't stand a success story. If I hear one more, (laughs) I don't know. I might vomit all over this microphone right now. (laughs) No, I think it's ridiculous because people don't, people relate to the broken spaces. They relate Mm -hmm. to where they are. The pain points. Right. Mm -hmm. They don't relate to, oh my gosh, like I became a, gazillionaire overnight and you can too. No, no, I don't even know what that looks like. Don't, well, don't want it. Number one, but that, that's not where I'm at. Like maybe it's, you know, I, I want to be great. What does that look like for me? Right. And so, but I really, I just, I keep going back to this and I don't want to belabor the point, but maybe we need to, for somebody that's listening. Um, I was talking with a mom about she said, I, I really want to do great things. And she's like, I feel like there's so much more. And um, I think that might be the case that there's something more. I think what's more often the case is that we miss what's right in front of us. We miss the opportunities that are right there. 
who are you to determine whether or not the person you're talking to in the grocery store, mm -hmm. the change that you make to them, that tiny little mm -hmm. moment where you were brave mm -hmm. enough to reach out and say something yeah. to them, who knows how that's going to change their life? Yeah. Let's look at Tony Robbins is a good example of this. His story, for anybody that doesn't know, is he remembers when he was like eight years old that his family did not have the money for Thanksgiving dinner. Mm -hmm. And there was a coworker of his father's who found out. I've never out, heard this before, by the you've way. never heard this? Oh, my God. No, I've heard so, the one about him running. Okay, no, I don't know that one. Okay. But yeah, I, don't, I don't know. I don't listen to him that much, but this story right. stuck with me. So um, he was eight years old. He didn't have money for um, stuff. His dad didn't like to ask for help, but a coworker of his dad's found out. And apparently it was a, an abusive household relationship. So it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, a healthy place, but he heard a knock on the door Thanksgiving morning and his mom and dad were fighting because mom was mad that Thanksgiving dinner wasn't going to happen. And dad was mad that, you know, he couldn't, he couldn't provide, provide. Right. Yeah. So he goes and answers the door and there's a man standing there with a box of groceries for Thanksgiving dinner. And he said, I heard what was going on. I just wanted to give you this. And he gave him a couple words of advice and wisdom and then just walked away. And um, sadly enough, it turns out that his dad threw it in the trash and didn't want to accept the handout and that whole thing. But he said what stuck with him more than anything else, he said, I wish I could go back to that day. I don't know who the man was. I don't know what was going on. He's like, but he changed my life forever because by bringing that to the door, he gave me hope that yeah. there were people that cared and loved each other. And it inspired me to be who I am today. Yeah. That guy that delivered those groceries probably yeah. didn't see his purpose in that. Mm -hmm. He might've gotten up that morning mm -hmm. and even complained mm -hmm. about having to do it, or maybe yeah. didn't want to, or, you know, whatever, right. or thought that didn't help. Or maybe he heard that the guy threw it in the trash and he felt like that was a total yes. waste of time. But yeah. what he didn't see is the little piece that was so mm -hmm. important there was who was affected by that small action yeah. And look who Tony Robbins is today and how many yeah. people he's touched. And right. he attributes it to that one act of mm -hmm. kindness. Mm -hmm. So you don't know, like you right. don't ever know how, how much impact you're going to have just by living in your purpose. Yeah all around you like right. stop trying to orchestrate that right. into a special number just live or it. just, just live, live it. it all yeah. the time even when yeah. no that's so it's so good i like that story a lot i don't like the fact that his dad was so prideful that he threw it away i yeah. don't like that but but then maybe there was more of a significant influence and, and lesson there for little Tony at the time. Yeah. Um, but I think here's the other thing too, th that when we are, this, this goes right along with the weight of the crown. When we are serving in, in our purpose, when we're obligated, when we're walking in that obligation, mm -hmm. it means you're going out there and you're doing it deliberately, mm -hmm. not haphazardly. You're doing it deliberately mm -hmm. and you're looking for opportunities to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I think that, um, as people, we want feedback. Mm. Going back to what you said at the beginning, we want to feel effective. <laughs> we want to know that we matter, right? And um, the weight of the crown for me is the embracing of the truth that it is not my job to know the impact I have or who it is I impact. Yep. 100%. It's my job just to be the wave. It's your job to do the work. It's right. your job to put it out there. Right. That's it. And when we come to feedback, I'm telling you that's a double-edged sword. Like, yes. yes, we need to see feedback for 
correction sometimes, mm-hmm. like when yeah. you know that like if something isn't quite moving right. But I have to tell you, I think feedback is is damaging um, when it's positive as well. Mm-hmm. Like oh, because yeah. oh, big time because you're like, oh, I you know that 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 like, means I matter. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Or it can change your message sometimes because we want that attention. We want that positive feedback. So now we're focusing on getting more of that mm-hmm. rather than yes. fulfilling our purpose. So I try yeah. to stay away from, I'm, I've learned recently to stay away from the feedback. It's what I'm putting out there is for my purpose. It's for the yes. thing that is driving me, not yeah. how you're going to react to it. Yeah. Our dear mutual friend, Steve used to say, um, to make it, to make your purpose or make your action independent of the outcome. Yeah. So, right. So, um, that's so hard to do, but here's why that's so important for us. I was um, finishing up my, um, my book and it's, man, talk about the weight of the crown. Like, Oh my gosh. Yes. No, like yesterday I'm like sitting here typing and I'm like writing and I just like started sobbing like gulps of air, like, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, no, you know, and I'm like, okay, well this is, this is good. This is tapping something. This is getting somewhere. Um, but where, where was I going with that? Amber? I don't know. Independent of the outcome is where, what we were talking about, like, and what was so important for us in that. And then you started talking about writing your book and wearing the weight of the crown. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, and it was, and it was so, it was so profound. It was really good. Um, it gosh. was for, la- it was for later. Maybe it's That's, for later. It is for later. The purpose I, is independent of the outcome. Oh, here's what it is. Got, got it. it. Got it. Um, so when we get, So the name of the book is Breakup Breakthroughs. Um, So it's asking and answering the hard questions so that we can thrive in the trauma of a relationship breakup. Um, Don't worry, I can edit out all of these silences or I might not. I don't know. We'll see. I just don't know. Sometimes I just leave them in there. Um, But we can as women in particular, and I want you to share with us some of your insights and maybe some of your own personal uh, breakthroughs or aha moments that you've had. Um, So many with the breakups, so many. Well, not just that, (laughs) not just that, but this. So our worth, one of the things, one of the, one of the breakthroughs that I had was our worth and our value must never be determined by the created. It can only be determined by the creator and yourself together. Yes. Okay. So the created can never determine your worth or your value. And that goes both ways. If I'm being mistreated or betrayed, that should not sway the needle of my worth and value. Similarly, if I'm being praised and, and you know, lauded and given awards, that should not move the needle of my worth. So- I wonder if you can talk a little bit about that and maybe some of the experiences that you've had that um, made you realize that. Amen, sister. That's exactly what I was trying to get to in my, in what I said before, but you just perfectly articulated it. Yes. You can't determine your direction, your, uh, it has to come from your purpose and passion. Yeah. It can't come from where everything else is steering you. Yeah. Um, and what, 
you know, what the feedback, what the uh, validation, it That's can't right. come from validation. Mm -hmm. Because uh, not only will that um, steer your purpose out of alignment, and then mm -hmm. you're, mm -hmm. you're not working from your flow, it will also, um, it, it destroys mm -hmm. who you are. Yeah. Like you allow it to destroy. I don't, I don't know how else to say it. Like it destroys it, you. Yes. Period. You just wake yeah. up one morning and you're like, who am I? Even? Right. Like I'm gone. Happened? Right. And then you have to remind yourself who the F you are. Right. And then, you know, it's this big mess. So, yeah. um, and you wanted some examples of times that this has played. Like maybe just, well, been. yeah, maybe just share a little bit about like maybe, um, to give the listeners some insight, some things that you've experienced in your life, maybe where you did allow, either um, mistreatment or praise to influence that needle. Oh my God. Listen, I think this is a pattern that shows up in my life a lot. So picking one, <laughs> I, I like attention. So I do. So that's really hard for you to say. It, it that's really not going to sway me. Yeah, no, that's, I've had to turn off feedback lately. That, that was a big thing when you said it, like I can't because I will definitely, it is such a temptation of mine because that's I like to know about yourself. Took me a long time. I had a lot yeah. of heartache, a lot of yeah. realization that um, chasing. So in the breakup sector, mm -hmm. I just did that whole experiment on dating because I didn't mm -hmm. date until I was 35. Okay. Tell and... us about that. Back up and tell us. <laughs> okay. So uh, I don't even know where to start with this story, but growing up, I did not have a healthy, happy household. I had kids very young. Um, I ended up... <laughs> for lack of a better way to say it, on the streets. When I was a teenager, I pr was pregnant as a teenager and I got into survival mode, right? So I just survived the first 35 years of my life. Yeah. And I did a pretty bang up job of it. Like I did all right, you know, like I, I, I did good. But I woke up at 35 years old and realized that I had checked all of my boxes. Mm -hmm. Husband, 2.5 kids, you know, uh, white picket fence, mm -hmm. the six-figure income. Like, I had just focused so much on the things that were supposed to make me happy. Which is really interesting because I think that's that's certainly – that speaks to something of your character about um, – not of your character, but of your gifting, that you were that driven to achieve those things when you were at a place where you were on the streets, where you had kids early, because that is certainly the exception and not the rule. Yeah, I think there's probably a lot more women out there that have come from those places and don't talk about it. Yeah. Um, for the longest time, I didn't realize that that was an inspirational story. I hid it. I was ashamed of it. Mm -hmm. I didn't want people to know that I had come from there. But the second that I realized that by sharing that information, other people mm -hmm. were um, touched and were and yeah. motivated and inspired to move past what they have, then it became like my torch. Like I got to go yeah. out here and show that I'm broken too. So right. um, I woke up one morning. 30 some odd years old. I think I was 32 at the time and realized that I wasn't happy. And okay. Wait a second. I just, I have to address that Okay, because I do, I think that people, I, that may be what it felt like, but I don't think that we have epiphanies in the middle of the night. I think there are, <laughs> I mean, I think that there are things that lead up to, I just woke up and realized. Yeah, no, I didn't sit up straight in bed one morning, <laughs> but trust me, the length of the story it would take to tell you how many little things okay. had to fall. So there were things. It was five, to that. five years of marriage therapy. Okay. okay. Like I fought the, I fought the fight. Okay. <laughs> like, and, 
and personal therapy, marriage, relationship therapy, pastoral. Like I went to right. our pastor. I cried until I threw up in the bathroom and fell asleep on the floor. Mm. Like, I mean, I drug myself through it. And then yeah. I woke up one morning and went, what you yeah. really need to realize, Amber, is that you're not happy and it's yeah. time to make a change. Yeah. So at that point, when I got real honest with myself, and so, sometimes it takes a really long time to get honest with yourself because you know mm -hmm. that you don't want to change. You don't yeah. want to move. It requires a lot you, of stuff. Can you ex expand on that a little bit? And here's why I ask, because I really do believe like, I, I know you can dive deeper. That's why I'm going to challenge mm -hmm. you on this. Mm -hmm. sure. I think it's too common when people say, I just wasn't happy. Like, it's just kind of like, I don't even know what that means. I just wasn't happy. Okay. What, what does that really mean to you and your existence? Yes. And yeah, let me tell you what I had done. I had created an entire facade and I had, I, I'll use my household as an example. Oh God, this is so deep. I can't believe I'm going to tell you this. Like, I'm it's so excited. I don't think anybody's ever heard this, but it's in the book. So I'm going to go ahead and share it. <laughs> if you, I was driving a pink Cadillac. I was making a six figure income. I wore a $600 suit to work every day and diamonds. And I, got on stage and talked about overcoming fear and loving yourself. Okay. <laughs> that was who I was. Wait, wait, wait. Did you love yourself? No. So okay. yeah, You're getting there. You're exactly. Getting there. So if you walked in the front door of my house, like everything was manicured on the outside, everything was blingy and amazing. The entire downstairs level where we entertained was this beautiful, well-kept, homey, inviting, crazy environment. It, my stairs, when you walk in my front door, you turn a left, there's two sets of stairs with two landings and an upstairs. Mm -hmm. If you took those stairs, the first thing you would hit um, in this in the second landing was all of the laundry and mess that we had to pull out of the bottom layer of the house. And we just hit it right behind where anybody could see because we Got knew it. they wouldn't go upstairs. Right? right. There were holes in my walls. There were doors that were broken. Mm. We did all of our fighting and hating and falling apart upstairs behind closed doors for no one in the whole rest of the world to see because we were supposed to be perfectly happy and healthy and, and all of these things. Um, and clearly that's not the case, right? If you mm. are hiding yeah. what's going on in your life from the rest of the world and you can't be authentic mm. when you show up anywhere and talk about what's really going on in your life, you're not happy and there's a problem. That's a really easy way to tell. Yeah. And I would have been horrified for someone to walk up the steps and see what my life was really like. Mm. So, Did anybody ever? Yes. And it was, and actually what ended up happening is the same thing that always happens. And I warn you, if you are sitting here listening to this podcast and you are going, oh my God, that's me. Oh my God, that's me. Like I have all these things that I'm hiding. And if people mm. saw them, I think I would die. You know, um, oh. it will all come crashing down in the yeah ugliest way yeah. you will be so outed if you don't start working on that stuff it's like right. a closet it's like a closet if you take all of the mess and you yeah. shove it in one closet and you close that door <laughs> long enough one of these days somebody's going to come along and rip that closet door open everything's going to yeah. come tumbling out and you're not going to be able to stop it right and so it would do you better to start yeah. facing that one piece yeah. at a time because what happened to me is that an all out complete ripping of my life. Mm. And it was because I couldn't hold up the foundation of that facade anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I don't care how strong you are, you won't be able to do it. You That's just right. Won't. 
And so if that's how you're building your life, and that's how I was, I had this whole glass house built on top of this terribly Mm -hmm. messy foundation, and it all came crashing down in a a very terrible, terrible way, and um, all at once. So in a very public way, in a very public way, like, uh, well, the private thing that happened, and I think I can share this and it'll be okay. Uh, one of my children, actually, what the, the catalyst, the thing that started it all is one of my children attempted suicide mm-hmm. and it, I, it opened my closet door and I couldn't yeah. shove the stuff back in because I was so broken over that, that yeah. I was, I just done. I could, there was nothing else I could do. I just tumbled. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden I looked around at my house and realized that I needed help. My, I looked at my husband and we had a very um, grown up conversation. The, the week that my child was in the hospital, he left. Um, he was like, I can't handle this. Like, you're a strong person. You'll be fine. I'm going to go get an apartment because I just can't deal with this stuff. And when it gets better, I'll come back. And I oh said, my. No. I said, no, actually, no, you won't. No, I don't I think like, you will. Huh. That's not, that's not how this works. If you leave, like it's that's done. Right. We've been in therapy for five years. We've been, you know, doing all those things. It's not working. I'm not happy. You're not happy. You're a good person. I'm a good person, but we are not meant for each other. Right. Let's right. be honest with one another. This hurts, but it's done. And, and that happened. Um, I also made the comment and this is in the book too, that we had one thing in common that we both really liked me. And that wasn't, (laughs) that wasn't a good place. That's no so bueno, Amber. That's not a marriage. And that's very open and honest, but that was the truth. He was very good at loving me. I was very good at at wanting that. And that was it. So (laughs) I like attention and he gave it to me. So we, um, and then, and then there was another incident that's not public. I'll let, I'll let the book happen before I can probably really talk about that. But it was all within one week. And I, for the first time in a really long time, even though I was running a sales force of almost 300 people, I had to ask for help yeah. in a huge way because I just could not, I couldn't handle it. And Where I, did you I, go? Support system. <laughs> I, oh God. So when you go, you go big. I went right, <laughs> I went right to Facebook. Yeah. And I, I just put it out there because I knew I had, you know, 3000 friends yeah. and, and I didn't know who to ask because I hadn't built any authentic friendships, just a following. Yeah. But so, did you know what to ask? No, I went on there and I said, Hey, the, it was right before bed one night. I said, this is really hard for me and it's not like me, but I need help. My house is falling apart. I need someone to help with drywall. I need towels because we, we don't have any, I need help painting the walls. I need, um, my floors replaced. I need like the, the house was so broken that I can't even tell you like, just like really reflective of you and your relationship, extremely reflective of what was going on in my house. And what happened the next morning was overwhelming. Um, people that I didn't even know their names all the way showed up at my doorstep with paint and donuts and, and furniture and money. And I mean, it was unbelievable the outpouring that happened, but not from my main people. It was from the outskirts, the people that I wouldn't have even thought to call. It just showed up and helped. And it spoke so deeply to me and really gave me the push that I needed. Like I allowed the help to happen. I was grateful for it every day um, and and got back on my feet and created yeah. a new life from there. Yeah. So shortly after that is when I woke up one morning and said, okay, I know why I'm not happy and yeah. I need to go to working on these things. So let me ask you a question because there's a, at some point in that shift between knowing that, 
in the space between knowing that you need help and asking for help. Mm -hmm. There's a shift that has to happen with your willingness to experience shame potentially. Sure. Right. Um, can you share a little bit about what that was like for you? Did you have any aha moments of that or? Yeah. So the reason the outpouring was such a big deal is I had really told myself for a long time that if I wasn't on this pedestal, if I didn't make my life look perfect, that people were not going to value me because they couldn't see brokenness in me or they wouldn't believe in themselves. Somehow I had like tied this all together. So I had this crazy responsibility to look perfect and be perfect all the time or I was going to let everybody around me down. Right. So my moment of panic and shame, what I was telling myself is if I put that out there, then people aren't going to believe in me anymore. Now, and was it that, was it that you were afraid that you were going to let people down or you did not want people to see the real you? Uh, maybe a little bit of both that if they saw the real me, then they wouldn't believe in me anymore Yeah, because okay. they would see the brokenness. I feel yeah. like those two things are pretty similar, at least in my mind and thought process they are. And right before I reached out, I was like, man, this is, this is awful. Like my reputation's going to be ruined. Yeah. And what ended up happening, Sherry, this outpouring of love, nobody judged me in that moment. I mean, I'm sure there were people that did, but I didn't yeah. hear or see any of it. What ended up happening, I remember this little old lady from my church showed up on my doorstep a couple days later, and they had taken up an offering. Now, my church was like 100 people who were 85 years old. <laughs> and Living like, off of Social Security. Like, yeah. Yes. Right. Yes. And they handed me like $500 or something. It was like crazy what they took wow. up in their, in their women's prayer group. And she came to the door and she handed it to me and we started talking and I invited her in and sat down and she was like, how are you doing? I'm like, actually, I'm doing really great. I've never felt so much joy. Like I, the, the weight off of me from the yeah. potential, like the weight of the shame was gone because it didn't actually exist anyway. There was nothing to be shameful of. So that there's liberation woman, in confession. Huge. And yeah. that, that woman, the you're scared of the act of it. What comes after it's fine. Like you, it's like that chore <laughs> that you've needed to do for six months and you keep yeah. putting it off and then it piles up and it feels like this big insurmountable thing. And then one morning you wake up and you're like, I'm just going to do it. Right. And you do it and it takes like 15 minutes and you're like, and you're like, wow, oh. that was easy. And all this weight's gone. That's <laughs> the same thing it is to ask for help if you're holding on to it for too right. long. Like it just becomes this big, ugly monster. But let, let me finish that story with this woman. She came to the door. She handed me the money. We got to talking. She came inside. She sat down on my couch. I don't know, remember what question I asked her, but she revealed a problem she was having in her life at that moment. And I was able to minister her, to her mm -hmm. in that moment and help her through a problem. And I remember she starts crying and she looks up at me and she goes, I can't believe with everything that you're going through that you're willing to listen to what's going on with me and help me with my problem. I came here to help you and you ended up helping me. And I was like, that's what it's all about. Because that's the moment that we right. become vulnerable with the people around us, it gives yeah. them permission, which yep. is also in that Williamson quote. Yeah. It gives them permission yeah. to be vulnerable back. And yes. now everybody's open. Everything's right. honest. There's no shame. There's no judgment. And we're right. actually getting something done. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I love that. So shame, freeing yourself of shame is the equivalent of vulnerability, which is the equivalent of honesty, which then opens the gates for liberation, connection. Exactly. The ability to comfort and help somebody else. Yeah. No, yeah. that's fantastic. So, okay. I don't know if we went to 
where my question was originally. <laughs> I don't know. But no, it was really good. Yeah, we were talking about moments in your life where you've realized you've had those ahas about how your needle of worth has shifted based on external feedback. Yes. And I think I was talking about, I think we originally got on this story because I was saying I woke up one morning and realized <laughs> I wasn't happy. And then we went down a rabbit hole. Yeah. Yeah. And now I don't, I, it's perfect though. We're, we're talking about what we need to, That's not, right. you know, we don't, we don't yeah. have, we're in our purpose, girl. That's we're just right. letting it flow. But and I was talking so about dating. I was talking about dating. So that's where this was all going. Oh I, yeah. So the the blind date experiment. Yes. So I did a fifty dates in uh in a year is what it was supposed to be. Fifty first dates. And what happened is after I woke up and I got the house. This sounds exhausting and, to me. I'm sorry. Yeah, I didn't this make it. Exhausting. I didn't okay. make it. Go ahead. It didn't happen. <laughs> I only did twenty, but it's okay. <laughs> so spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> But, but the divorce happened. I ended up losing a bunch of weight in the process and getting my groove back, which is a whole nother amazing story about emotional. Did you get a groove back or did you create your groove? I found my groove. There you go. There you go. And I didn't build anything on top of it this time. Nice. And shove it down and, you know, build a glass house on top of it. I wore it. I just wore it wide open. And um, so I realized when I hit 35, so three years later, after being divorced, after getting all of this stuff cleaned out, after becoming the best version of myself that I had the tools for at that time, I decided it was time to start dating. Oh, want, want. I had never dated in my whole life. Yes, I had a husband. I brought him home from work one day. <laughs> I found him on the street. I brought, <laughs> I, brought him I brought him home from work one day. He never left. We were married a year later. I did not date him. Okay. That's not what that right. was. I right. went, oh, you like me and you give me attention? Come with yeah, me. Come be with me. Yeah. Yes, let's stay together forever. Not so right. much. So, and he's still my best friend. I just have to, I have to put that in there. Anytime that I talk about our relationship, I promised him that I would give him, you know, the honesty of saying we have an amicable and amazing, wonderful relationship. We celebrate. I know I saw you posted a picture the other day. We celebrate our divorce anniversary every year. We go out to dinner and, you know, (laughs) it's, it's so much fun. I highly recommend a good relationship with your ex. But anyway. Yeah. I, um, and that wasn't easy either. That wasn't a wake up one morning and it was all perfect either. So we can have another, we can have another session about that another time. But I decided I wanted to start dating. I realized I had never dated. I was terrified of it because the one thing that was the biggest, like hiding that I'd been doing my whole life was a fear of men coming from Mm -hmm. my past. Mm-hmm. from growing up in the household that I did sexually abusive household, you know, you tend to fear being desirable. So I had an insane fear of being desired and I was ready to kick it in the butt. I was like, yeah. it's okay to be desirable. It's okay to cut loose. It's okay to let somebody in. It's yeah. okay to have something worth losing yeah. and not have to be in control all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I made a spreadsheet like any good businesswoman would do. <laughs> and uh, apparently I, I do not meet the criteria for a good businesswoman though. Cause uh, I don't like spreadsheets. <laughs> I made a sign on genius and I put the link out there and I was like, send me your man. <laughs> Where is that at? <laughs> <laughs> it was a terrible, terrible way to do it, but I did it. And I went on <laughs> I went on some of the craziest dates. 
that you can imagine. Like, okay, share with us like a crazy story. Okay, so I went on a date with an underwear model. That one's like, one of my favorite. Ones. Okay, boxer briefs or tidy whities Boxer briefs. Okay, <laughs> he was like a fitness model that had the okay. So I'm on, I'm online, I'm online and I'm promoting the 51st dates and I'm like, send me your man. Right. Right, And and one of my girlfriends comments, what about this guy? And she posts a picture of one of his magazine spreads. Okay. All muscly and bearded and masculine and sexy with his like boxers on. And I was like, ha ha. Yeah. He looks like he might fit the criteria. Give him my number or whatever. Or send him the link. She tagged him. I thought she was kidding. I like, thought it was so, like a joke. Like, right. Like, like yeah. Like, a random, what about, yeah. yeah. Like, what about Channing Tatum? Oh, sure. Right. I'll take him. So right. she tags him. So not only does he see my response, but like everything. So I'm like horrified, right? I'm like, oh my God, he's a real person. I didn't know he was a real person. <laughs> Underwear models are people too. I, but I, you know, who knows an underwear model that they can tag? Like, it was crazy. It's like a picture that somebody would use in a catfishing scam or something, right? You have no idea how good this story gets. Okay. So, (laughs) so eventually we end up getting together, you know, and he sends me a text message. I'm on my way to meet him for our first date. And he sends me a text message. (laughs) 20 minutes before that says send me a picture of your shoes okay um uh oh does this guy have a fetish like why does he want a picture of my shoes is he trying to make sure i can't run away like i don't understand what he wants a picture of my shoes for like what's going on so i did it i was like okay and he's like don't worry i'm not weird i'm like clearly you are but it's all right so i took a picture of my shoes got there and he shows up and he's like bro so nice to meet you amber like oh my god we're gonna have the best time ever (laughs) and that was the moment i realized that you should talk to somebody on the phone before you go on a date with them yeah because he was well and tip number two clearly he was born to be a model because models don't say anything (laughs) you have no idea you have no idea So I sit down and I just look at him and at the bar, like he invited me to a bar and we sat at the bar and I look at him and I'm like, you have to tell me why you asked me for a picture of my shoes. And he was like, it's not what you think. I just wanted to know how you were dressed. And I knew that I could tell from your shoes how casual or dressed up I needed to be. Okay. So I was like, okay, well, that's kind of smart. Like, that's interesting. Uh, Strange execution, but. Right. You could just ask. Yeah. So for three hours, I got to learn everything about him. Everything? Everything. I can tell you about his ex-wife. I can tell you about his kid. I can tell you about all of his gym sessions. And I saw pictures of all of them and every single thing. And I remember thinking at one point in the date, you have an absolutely amazing, inspirational, courageous woman sitting next to you that you could learn so much from and gain so much knowledge from. And instead... Yeah. You are just talking about yourself and right. trying to impress me the whole time. And this is really sad. He didn't even know. He didn't know whether I had kids. He didn't know that I ran a business. Right. He didn't know, like he didn't know anything because he was so busy trying to impress me with himself. What? How did you end that date? <laughs> it gets good. So I'm sitting there. He's talking. He keeps getting closer and closer to me. Like he's pulling yeah. his bar stool closer to me. He's like trying to touch me. And I almost felt like I had to defend my ground. Like I'm not moving out of your space. I'm right. not moving into your space. Like I'm sitting right here. What are you doing? Right. And at the end of the like day, pre-COVID standard of living, right? <laughs> yes, yes, for sure. So at the end of the date, 
he gets all close to me. He's like, I don't know if you notice or not, but I've been getting closer to you all night. And you're, you're, ew, ew, ew. my yes. skin is crawling right now. Exactly. Except it was like, bro, I don't know if you realize or not, but like, <laughs> I've been getting close to you all night. And oh like, I totally feel a connection. And, and now, I'll how say, many drinks in was he by this point? I think he was a few in before he got there. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. We had a steak dinner. It was great. And he said, he said, I think you're really into me. And that's why you've been getting closer to me all night. And I sat back and I looked at him and I was like, actually, you've been getting closer to me. And I know this is probably the point where other women might like swoon and be like, oh, my God. Yes. And yes. I was like, I'm not really into that. In fact, you're in my space. And it's bothering me. Good. Like, if you could just back up a little bit, that'd be great. Well, then the check came. I paid. <laughs> I took the check because. Did you just, like, initiate that? I, I, I think I looked at him and he, like, didn't. And I was like, um, do you want to split this? Or I can just get it. And he was like, yeah, you can get it. That's great. I'm like, okay. Wow. So I paid the check. Now. This big muscly man got up, went to the bathroom. There was a gentleman sitting on my right-hand side at the bar um, mm -hmm. that had walked in about halfway through the date. When he got up to go to the bathroom, when Captain Underpants got up to go to the bathroom, <laughs> the guy beside me looks at me and goes, so what app did you meet that guy on? Oh, that's funny. And I said, I didn't. Actually, a girlfriend set me up with him. And he was like, you need better girlfriends. Yes. And he said, did he even take a moment to ask you anything about yourself because all I heard him do was talk about himself wow. since I've been here. And I said, yeah, it was, it was pretty atrocious. And he said, you paid that check, didn't you? I said, I did. And he said, would you mind if I take you out on a date and show you what it should really be like because you Aww. deserve better. Now, mind you, this giant muscly man is in the bathroom. Yeah. And I give this guy my business card and I'm like, you can sign up on my link. Right. <laughs> right. And yeah, so that's how that, and then I went out like this guy, the, the muscly captain underpants walked me out to the car and, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, and I went to get in the car and he like paused and like flipped me around and like stared into my eyes. And he's like, you better get in that car before you do something you regret. And I remember laughing and I kind of pushed his chest backwards. Right. And I was like, I'm not really into doing things I regret. Thanks for though. you. Good and I you. shut the car door and off I went. It was an insane experience. Insane. And it wow. definitely, yeah, there were a lot of things. Like I had a lot of bad dates, but I had a lot of good dates. So I had one really yeah. good date um, with somebody else who just really showed me. I learned so many things along the way. That's the yeah. thing. I learned so much about myself. I learned so much about how to right. communicate with other people. And then I eventually ended up in a relationship, not from that experiment, but yeah. I did get into a really fun relationship that taught me he taught me about respect for myself by not giving me the respect and attention I deserved in our relationship. Can and I, I share was, something with you real quick? Yes. That speaks to that. So this morning, you know, I have little um, deep thoughts with Dr. Sherry moments when I'm getting ready in the morning. Mm -hmm. And this is what I wrote this morning, which is directly relevant to what you just said. It, it <clears throat> um, the most grievous offense to our dignity is not mistreatment from others. It is our failure to act on the conviction of our own worth. Yes. Yes. And you acted on that. So I love it. 
Well, it took some time and it was very difficult. And I still miss this person so much, even though, even though, and, and parting was terrible because, but I had to choose me. Mm-hmm. I, it was the first time in my life where I had to choose me. And it wasn't necessarily that he was a bad person, that he, but he didn't give me the treatment I felt like I deserved. And at Mm -hmm. some point I had to go, this is not okay. Right. And it's, it hurts so much. Like it's so hard to hurt yourself um, in that moment of choosing you. But uh, on the other end, good decision. Yeah. Great. The only decision really, I mean, it's the only option really. Yeah. Yeah. So, Hey, listen, you're awesome. And before we close, I want to um, do a couple of things. So tell the listeners a little bit more. You mentioned it only once with your humble self, but you mentioned Captain Underpants several times. (laughs) We'll never know if Captain Underpants is listening or uh, which would be super fun to hear from you, Captain Underpants, if you are. (laughs) Um, But Tell us a little bit more about Hot Mess to Hot Mess. What do you do there? What's the community like? And how can people connect with you there? Oh, that's so awesome. Okay, so right now, best way to connect with me is on Facebook. And Hot Mess 101 is a page that I manage uh, on there. And my email address, avalentine at hotmess2hotness.com if you have some questions. But basically, um, I'm building out right now a community of (laughs) showing your mess and turning it into hotness. So taking your hot mess, turning it into hotness and how you can do that and just being vulnerable and creating that space where anybody can really uh, grow because you're being authentic and true to yourself. And so there's a YouTube channel in the making. So be on the watch out for that. Yeah. We're going to have makeup tutorials, which is going to be very fun. Face it. Face it with Amber Valentine. Face it. Love it. So we're going to talk about winging your eyeliner and winging it in life. So we're going to do some of that. And we're also going to have an own it session where I'm going to be talking about life stuff, kind of like we did today and just sharing funny stories about things and then worth it, which will be a weight loss uh, program based on releasing emotional needs and being mindful and being able to lose weight. I love it. Face it, own it, worth it. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Okay. So I'm going to put you on the spot. This is something that I ask every woman that I have on the show at the end of the show as we wrap up. We've Mm -hmm. talked about a lot of things and a lot of those things have resonated with the women listening. One may be for somebody and then the other is for somebody else. And then another person picks up another nugget. I ask you though, If there's one truth that you want the women listening to never forget when this episode ends today, what would that be? (laughs) That is such a great question, Sherry. (sighs) Everyone always says you are enough. But my thing is, is that you are more, abundantly more. Yes. (laughs) So much more than enough. And whatever you need... (laughs) You already have everything you need. Mm-hmm. So stop looking for anything else or trying to find validation or needing more. You mm-hmm. are everything you need right now and you have it all inside of you. The thing that you need to do is stop focusing on you and focus on where that needs to be applied mm-hmm. and who is going to be affected by that. Mm-hmm. And realize that no matter where you have been, trust me, no matter where you have been, you make a decision today 
that makes your tomorrow better than yesterday. So you can be a different person when you wake up tomorrow morning. If you focus on the part of you that says everything is going to be okay. You know, when you go through a tragedy and and you find peace and everything's going to be okay, you can live in that place. Mm -hmm. You can live in the place of everything's going to be okay all the time because everything is going to be okay because you have everything you need. And you just need to make a decision to be your best self and to live in that relentlessly. Okay. So in true Amber Valentine style, I asked for one truth and we got 10, which was wonderful. I mean, what a cornucopia of wisdom right there. Okay. Here's my one truth. You can make any decision today so that tomorrow is better than yesterday. There you You go. I love, you don't get to take any of them back. You don't get to take (laughs) any of them back. (laughs) They're all out there now. What a super fun conversation with Amber. We laughed like that quite a bit, and I'm sure you did too. Hey, listen, if you enjoyed the episode, would you please do me a favor and share it with a friend? And give us five stars on Apple Podcasts if you are an Apple Podcast listener. Hey, listen, go over to Hot Mess to Hotness and check out Amber Valentine. And look forward to her new YouTube channel with Face It, Own It, and Worth It. I promise it is worth your time to invest in learning a little bit more about Amber and being inspired by her. I know that you've enjoyed the conversation today. Hey, look, we covered a lot of things, didn't we? From dating to, I mean, this guy named Captain Underpants. How fitting is that? Um, To walking in your purpose, to knowing when to ask for help, to being you relentlessly, and to being willing all the way back at the beginning of the conversation to wear the weight of the crown that each of you have the opportunity to wear each and every day. Hey, listen, if you want in on some thriving thoughts directly to your text message inbox from me three times per week, all you have to do is text the word thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E, Two five four zero three six nine twenty one thirty nine, and listen up. We are down to the wire to wrap up season two. We've got one more interview with Fritzy Horstman of the Compassion Prison Project next Sunday, June seventh. You're not going to want to miss that. And then one final wrap up episode with yours truly, Dr. Sherry, right here on June fourteenth to wind down season two. If you know a woman that needs to be on season three of Thriving Thoughts with Dr. Sherry, I'd love to be connected with her. Just email me at drsherryspeaks at gmail.com or find me on social media in the links in the show notes. And until next week, y'all, remember this one singular thing, if you remember nothing else, that it's time to continue to speak truth over the lies so you can thrive in any and every circumstance.